We are excited that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. As we prepare our hearts for worship and as we begin our time together this morning, I'm going to read from the book of Psalm, chapter 30, verses 1 through 3. I invite you to reflect and follow along with me as I read these words. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Let us exalt and praise our our Lord through worship this morning. so lucky to have that pipe organ. Wasn't that beautiful? Everyone get a hymnal or uh, if you might know this song by memory, it's an old hymn called Serve the Lord with Gladness and I hope you can stand and do that this morning. (laughs) 
This morning I'll be reading from Joel 2, 23 to 32. Uh, if you'd like to read along with me in the Pew Bible, it is on page 788. Joel 2, 23 to 32. <clears throat> be glad, O sons of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down on you abundantly abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years which the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord your God, are, are that, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I shall pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and the maid servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will give portents to the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord, the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape. And as the Lord said, and among the survivors shall be those who the Lord calls. May God add his rich blessings to the reading of the word. The next hymn is number 555, A Child of the King. Please stand.
I pray this morning, just want to mention something and then share a few concerns with the church family this morning. But many of you are familiar that uh, back a few months ago, well, even the last year or maybe a little bit more, there was a group here called the Fish Group, which was made up. It was kind of a, the numbers varied in the group, but of 20, 30, 40 somethings. Uh, basically, if you were a, uh, the age to be a, a parent of a child or a youth or maybe even a young college student, um, you could be involved with this group, a group of young adults here at Bowling Springs. And so next Sunday after the service, uh, some met this morning that are involved with that group, but we would like to get more input from some uh, others, many of others in that age group in our church. And so next Sunday after church on the piano organ side here, we'd love to, for you, if you fall into that category, to meet with me and a few others uh, to talk about a possible date for a fellowship this fall, whether that might be in November or even into the Christmas season. And then we can look ahead into next year as well. But look at your calendars this week and then come and, and join us for some discussion for just a few minutes after church next week. Also, uh, please be in prayer this week. Two names I want to mention specifically. Uh, Carolyn Hamrick has had a passing in her family this week, a, a grandson who was 40 years old. And so be in prayer for Carolyn. She is not here today and for her family. They would very much appreciate that. Also for Jane Stroud, she had sinus surgery this week and it was quite an extensive um, procedure with what they did and she is home recovering and, and would very much appreciate our prayers. Let's continue to remember those down east as you continue to read or see things on the news from what they are dealing with, it is quite devastating. And uh, be in prayer for our friends and there are ways that you can give through the church to North Carolina Baptist Men. You can write that check out to the church and we will send it and make sure it's designated to North Carolina Baptist Men. And we will make sure it gets there. And we have many ministries in our area that are collecting water as well and other supplies. And so if you would like to donate something, call the church office this week and we would get you in touch with the right contacts there to do that. I know we have many other concerns uh, that are within your family, maybe with uh, concerns from your workplace today, uh, concerns about our community and about our world. We certainly have much to pray for today. That is without a doubt. But join me. I'm going to give you just a few moments or a few seconds of silence, and then I will lead us in our prayer this morning. Let's pray together. God, we come to you this morning, and it's rare in our world today that we have moments just like this when people are gathered, moments when everything is quiet. And Father, the only voice we desire to hear is, is your voice as it speaks to our hearts, as it touches us, as it challenges us, as it encourages us. It's good to be still or to cease striving and to know that you are God. Father, there's a lot that we certainly don't know right now. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions, a lot of concerns and frustrations. But Father, one thing we know for sure is that you are God and you're on your throne. We don't understand your ways at times and your methods and your means. And if, Father, when we find ourselves there, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to look to you and to have faith that you are a God of love and compassion and kindness and mercy and grace. Father, we're, we stand in need of that today, not only as individuals, but as a people, as a community, and as a nation. And so, Father, hear our prayers of confession this morning for where we've missed the mark. Father, as we looked at a few weeks ago, help us to also make the most of the current circumstances that we may find ourselves in. Father, you tell us in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the plan, that I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So, Father, we claim that and many other promises that are within your word today. Lord, we pray for Carolyn Hamrick and others within her family that have experienced this loss this week. We pray that you would walk beside them as the good shepherd. 
Father, we pray for Jane Stroud as she continues to recover from surgery. Lord, others within our nursing homes and homebound that need your touch today, we pray that they would know they are loved by you and by this church. Father, we come to you for, on behalf of those within our state and across the southeast that are continuing to recover, whose lives have been devastated by Hurricane Matthew, who have no flood insurance, and Father, a lot of questions abound about how to rebuild and how to move forward. Father, I pray that your church would be strong and mighty, your church down east, your church all over the world, Father, as they respond to the needs and as they come, as they give, and as they come and serve and help rebuild and help clean up. Father, may your name be glorified and your name be honored in all the relief efforts that are taking place. And Father, in the midst of tragedy, may people draw closer to you and not further away in a time like this. Father, we pray for our country today. We pray for the political process that's playing itself out. We pray that your will would be done. We pray that you would speak to the hearts of leaders and uh, those, uh, Lord, seeking peace within their communities and within our nation. Lord, seeking justice, seeking your will and your path for our future. Father, help us to do our part. And Lord, help us to, to, be a, to be the people that you have called us to be as your church. Lord, we pray for our men and women in uniform, keep them safe and provide for their needs. We pray for those throughout our world who are called of you to be where they are, some in very dangerous places, seeking to tell others about the good news that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, may we be faithful in the world that you have called us to live in right here, with our school, with our workplace, with our friends and our community. Father, we get so distracted, even with church things, Father, that we forget, Lord, sometimes maybe the reason that we're here. Father, we desire to know you and we desire to make you known in all we say and do. Father, may you be heard this morning in our songs, in our prayers, in your word that was read and the sermon that's preached today. God, we're, we desire to hear from you today. So Lord, help us to put all those other voices we've talked about to the side. And Lord, we desire to hear your voice today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Next, we'll join in song singing number 59, My Lord is Near Me All the Time. Please stand.
for the gifts that you have blessed us with. Father, we ask now that you would bless uh, the gift that is given and also the giver of that gift. Father, uh, we are grateful for this day to be in your house and now bless this time of giving back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. saw the, the, the anthem titled Blessing Riddle. A lot of times we, uh, Vicki and I, read through the words of the anthems, and I was like, this is going to be interesting. And it was, and it was very good. So thank you, choir. Um, as we think about uh, times when we feel alone, times when we need courage, and then the fact that uh, we are promised eternal life, um, there's a lot that we are frustrated by, a lot that we are concerned by, and simply questions we have that 
Some are answered in our lifetime and some are not. And so uh, we can claim that promise of eternal life. And so thank you for that choir. Received a note this morning. We need to continue to remember as I begin the sermon this morning, Elena Hoxton. This is the granddaughter for Lynn and Jane Surratt. But they, I saw them leaving this morning and I didn't know why, but they are heading to the hospital. Elena had uh, a situation of septus uh, for a young teenage girl um, that was serious back several weeks ago. Um, she was in the hospital for some time. And so let's remember Elena as we begin our time together this morning. Father, we are grateful for this time in the service, time to, to hear from you, time to share your word, Father. Our hearts are heavy for Elena and for Lynn and Jane and their family right now. We just pray that your touch on her life and her body, Lord, we don't know exactly what's going on, but Father, we ask for your healing mercies. We pray that you would give um, uh, wisdom and knowledge to the doctors and nurses and those caring for her, Lord, at this time. Father, bless now uh, the reading or the, the preaching of your word. And uh, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The last two weeks, we've looked at a sermon series. Uh, the, the first two words have been each week, as they are again today, God's people. Um, there's a lot of places you can go from those two words after you say God's people. Uh, but we've looked at God's people, uh, you know, acknowledge their own shortcomings last week. And the week before that, we looked at um, uh, God's people make the most out of their current circumstances. And uh, we fi certainly find ourselves, many of us today, in a place maybe uh, some are right where we you know, wanted to be, and others we're in the midst of trying to make the best out of our current circumstances. We're not where we want to be as the people were in exile there in Jeremiah, uh, but yet how do we make the most of our current circumstances? And God's people certainly seek to make the best of their current circumstances. About a year ago, we, had, we hosted here, this year it's at Flint Hill, the community Thanksgiving service, but about a year ago, we had that service here, and it was a wonderful night, and I think it may have been on that night that I shared this story, but I'm going to share it with you again this morning because it has great relevance. But it's a sermon, it's a message or story that some of you have heard before. It's a sermon or a story about Chippy the parakeet. And you may have heard this story, but um, poor Chippy never knew what hit him. But he, one moment he was see, sitting peacefully perched in his cage, and the next moment he was sucked in, he was washed up, and he was blown over. And the problem was, it happened when, when Chippy when was seating peacefully perched in his cage there, and his owner, Chippy's owner, decided that he wanted to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner and thought that they would avoid Chippy. Well, they didn't. And Chippy got sucked into the vacuum cleaner. And so only a few seconds later, the owner, desperately trying to save Chippy, pulled Chippy out of the vacuum cleaner, covered in soot. She, he took Chippy, put him under the uh, faucet in the bathroom, and, and doused the poor bird and soaked him and, and got all the soot off of him, only to realize that he was cold and shivering. She took the bird and blasted him with hot air from a hairdryer. So as you might imagine, poor Chippy was stunned. He was, he was sucked up, he was washed, washed up, and he was blown over. And um, a few days later, the word got out that this, that this had happened, and a reporter came by to ask how Chippy was doing. And the owner said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. Chippy just kind of sits and stares. And it's not hard to see why when you're sucked up and washed up and blown over. A lot of us feel a little bit like Chippy right now, don't we? We feel like, I mean, if it's not stuff that's happening, you know, at home or in our workplace or in our community, it's stuff that's going on in our world. We just feel like 
a little bit like Chippy, that we've been sucked up to vacuum cleaner, we've been doused with water, and we've been blown with hot air, and we don't know what's coming next. And it has, for some of us, it's stolen our song, a little bit like, like Chippy. Today is the first Sunday that I have ever preached from Joel. I don't know when I'll be there again, but we are here today. I've never uh, preached from Joel, and so it begs one to ask why I preach from Joel. Talked to Heidi this week, and she said she hears sermons from Joel every week. But anyway, okay. Sorry. Just had to put that in there. Um, it, it's an obscure book. It's one of the 12 minor prophets tucked away at the end of the Old Testament. And when I think of these minor prophets, a lot of times, I mean, they have strong and relevant messages for us. But we just think, these, for whatever reason, this is the time of the year, I would think now, and, and there's one other time during the church, during the calendar year, where pastors might attempt to, to wrestle and to, and to go and to dive in to a book like Joel. And so we find ourselves here today. He's a prophet that proclaims a strong, strong message of hope to a people who desperately need to hear it, both then and now. And so I ask you this morning, in the midst of, of, of a prophetic message here in Joel this morning, I ask you, are you ready for some good news, church? Are you ready for some good news? Amen. Amen. We certainly turn on our TV sets and read the newspapers, our tablets, iPhones, Android, whatever you read, and we are not hearing a lot of good news. But Joel, in the midst of some bad news, has a, some good news for us. It's like the old preacher sometimes when he keeps going on and on and on about the bad news. Somebody kind of yells out, get to the good news. Well, we're going to get to the good news, but in order to get to the good news, we're going to have to visit the bad news first, I'm afraid. But the book, again, begins with bad news. In Joel 1, we learn of this plague of locusts. Now, I don't know how to explain to you, because I don't fully know what a locust is, especially during the biblical times. The best commentary that I read or the notes that I read this week are, are no big theological words that describe it. I thought this summed it up pretty good. A locust was, is like a grasshopper on steroids. Um, it's, it's just a bad dude. You know, you don't want to be around a locust, and especially a swarm of locusts. Uh, they, they, are, they talk about them in, in biblical times as, again, making the skies dark. Uh, millions of locusts just coming in on a, and, and just absolutely devastating everything that has a green leaf on it. Um, I, I was looking this week on YouTube, and I thought we would show a video, but we're not doing that this morning, of, of what it looks, of what I'm describing to you. And in Madagascar, the little island of Madagascar, which has become more popular because of the movies Madagascar that all the kids watch, but on that island of Madagascar, they struggle with this in a fearsome way. And it showed uh, just in the last two or three years of these swarms, infestations of locusts, and how it showed somebody standing out in a field holding up something, and you couldn't hardly see the person because of so many locusts that were around them. And so if you can imagine <clears throat> excuse me, what that would do to a society that is dependent upon agriculture, as we have here in Joel chapter 1. If, if, you know, recently Bob Lamb stood here and was talking about giving to North Carolina Missions Offering about uh, and the Baptist men and all the wonderful things they're doing. <coughs> Excuse me. And we talked about things that we pass on to our children. And the reason he referenced that is because he talked about the Boiling Springs tornado that came through here. I was a student at Gardner-Webb in the 90s, and I think there was another one back a long time ago before that. But um, I was here, and, and I was on a charter bus. We had went to see some big play uh, about an hour away, and we were coming back in, and they wouldn't let us back into the community of Bowling Springs. And so we went to a, I went to a friend's house for a while until they let us back on campus. But those are, that's an example of some things that we pass on 
to the next generation and to the next generation. Um, Hurricane Matthew, for those on the East Coast and Southeast, are going to be telling about the time when the water was up to here in churches and in homes and in businesses and how the whole community came together. And they're going to be talking about this for generations to come. This is what's taking place here in Joel. It's that big. This locust plague, again, has, has devastated everything. And for, again, an agricultural society, what this means is it means no grapes for wine, no grapes for, for eating, no, no grain. It means no wheat. It means no bread. Um, no, no bread can be offered in the temple either. No bread, no fruit, no olives, no food for the livestock. It's a horrific time. I read a reference this week where I don't remember this episode. I used to watch Little House on the Prairie, but it was an episode where something very similar to this happened. And uh, some of you may remember that very episode. But Joel, going back to the prophet of Joel, again, he was an obscure prophet. He knew, we, knew, we know very little about him. He came and he went, but he left us with an unforgettable glimpse of God's desire that his people would come close to him. I love the way the prophets do this. Jeremiah did it in his own way. Joel, Amos, Habakkuk, all the different Old Testament, Isaiah do this in their own ways. They talk about the bad. You've got to do that in the midst of where God was trying to get their attention. And, and I think we all need to be careful as we look and talk about the prophets and even today's passage to think that every catastrophic event within our communities or within our world is a result of God's judgment. I can't speak for God. I don't know. But I think we need to be very careful in putting his hand on every bad thing that happens in our world today. But... Um, our timetable is very confusing with Joel. Some say it's around 400 B.C., which would put us about a century and a half after Jeremiah, which we've looked at the last two weeks, and others place it at different times. But the people of God at this time had become very prosperous and complacent. They were apathetic and sluggish. They were nonchalant toward the things of God. They were taking God for granted, and they had turned to self-centeredness, to idolatry, and to sin. Sounds very familiar to many of us and to God's church and to many of us in our country today, does it not? They were prosperous and complacent. We certainly have more than what we need as the people of God. So into this environment comes Joel, commissioned to tell them to repent of their sins. His message was repentance must precede revival. Church, if we're going to see revival, if we, in, in the sense of what we know that to be and what we um, uh, experience in, in our minds and our hearts and where we go to when we hear that word, repentance must happen. And it must happen on a broad scale, but it must begin in your heart and it must begin in mine if we are to experience personal revival in our lives. And um, something that I want to share that I think helps illustrate where Joel is coming from here. Uh, when, during my time at Gardner-Webb, I had some professors who were very lenient and they would allow me to turn in a paper maybe a little bit late, I would just come to them and say, you know, look, I've had this going on. I've been involved in this and doing this. And I, you know, and they might mark me down a little bit, but they would say, okay, I can't remember if, how you were on that, Dr. Cullinan. You might've been pretty, pretty strong on that. But, um, uh, but, you know, some professors would under, and it'd have to be pretty big situations to, to allow you to turn that in late. And sometimes that would happen. And then other times I would hear from a professor, Keith, I told you at the beginning of the semester, this was the date to turn the paper in. And I told you what the acceptable excuses were for turning it in late. And your busyness is not an acceptable excuse. And so the paper is due on this day. And at that point, 
I just had to say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and take the consequences, whatever those consequences would be. The book of Joel is about a deadline. It's about a deadline for Judah to turn back to the Lord. He called the deadline the day of the Lord. And when the people would face their consequences of not turning back to God. God can and does use different things, again, to get our attention. However, we must be careful in assigning calamities as an act of God's judgment. As we see the utter de devastation, I would encourage you to go back and read Joel chapter 1 later today. If you haven't been in Joel in some time, it might be good to do that. But in chapter 2, we begin to see life coming back. It begins to speak of the rain in verse 23 that, um, thank you, Tim, read that earlier. He said, be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. In verse 24, the threshing floors will be full of grain and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. We read this and think, oh, this is good. But to the people of that day who understood this, who lived it, this is incredibly good news. Then I will make up to you for the years of the swarming locust has eaten. And he goes through all the different locusts. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. Praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. My people will never be put to shame. And our focus verse this morning, verse 27 of Joel chapter 2. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. There is no other and my people will never be put to shame. Through, though the storms rage and though the world we know it is changing, God is with, is with us through the thick of life. I love how this reads in the message paraphrase. It says, you will know that I am, that I am in the thick of life with you. It doesn't say that I'm going to solve all your problems. It's everything will always work out for your best. But God does promise, I love the way Eugene says it, Peterson says it in the message, that I will be with you in the thick of life. My scripture, the New American Standard Bible says, thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. And people today, we live in a time that's very confusing and it's very frustrating and we have a lot of questions. But people of God, we need to remind ourselves and claim God's promises in his word that he is with us in the midst of of all the messiness and of all the muddy water in the midst of all the issues that we face within our families and that we face with school and that a young adult is facing now with pursuing a career and that a middle-aged person is facing with decisions that must be made or when should I retire or how should I handle this with the economy and what if the world or the economy does this and does that. There's so many questions and concerns that we all have about our political system, our standing as a country. But let me remind you, my role as your pastor is not to to get into politics, but it is to say and it is to remind you that God is with us in the thick of life. He's not over here when we meet him or, or, or up here or over here, but he is with us and walking through us. He has been with other generations in previous elections and previous times, and he is with us today. And let us claim the promises that are found within his word. Psalm 3, 4 says, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Are you and I seeking the Lord about this stuff that we're dealing with in life, about these things that, that weighed us down? Psalm 34, 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Joel 2, 13 is a tremendous word of hope that was not in our Scripture reading for this morning, but it, it, it says this, Rend your heart and not your garments. We talked Wednesday night about how 
we can do a lot on the outside to look good, and we can do some things about going to church and, and things that look good to others, but, but God is not after our dress. He's not after the outward appearance, but here Jeremiah says it, Joel says it, and it's echoed again throughout the New Testament about what it means to rend our hearts. God is not after the outward appearance, but he's after the heart. Joel 2.13 says, rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. This was a tremendous word of hope for the people of this day, and it's a tremendous word of hope for you and I today as well. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. It's easy for us, church, to point the finger at those outside and say that people need to do this and people need to do that. But I think before we even go down that road, we need to look within our own hearts. We need to look within our own lives. And like we talked about last week, if confession needs to happen, God, convict me in areas where I need to change. We can't do anything about, we can try to influence other family members to do what we want them to do, but I think all of you would agree, especially those who are married or have any other uh, close relationship, um, uh, you know, maybe you're young and, and we can't do anything to change the behavior of someone else. The only person's behavior that we can change and influence and redirect is our own. We can seek to do that as we should as good parents if we have children. Uh, or if we have a loved one who we care much about that's going in a direction, but the only person that we can control or, or change the behavior of is our own. And so before we, again, look to do that, seek to do that, especially with those within our world today who we would like to see them making other decisions, saying different things and doing different things, let us look within our own hearts. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. That is the God we serve. That is the God as a, ch as a church. That is the God we should proclaim, that we should preach, and that we should teach. Um, God is a God of judgment. We see it here in Joel, and we see it in the other minor prophets. But his message of love prevails. His message of love prevails in the Old Testament, and it certainly does in the New Testament. When Jesus Christ comes to live among us a perfect, sinless life, and he goes to the cross of Calvary, and he dies for your sins and mine and for the sins of the world. And he is raised to walk in newness of life, just as you and I are. We symbolize that with baptism. People, we are called to new life. We are called to a different path than the path that the world would have us to walk. But he is a God who is gracious and a God who is compassionate. You may not be dealing this morning with locusts. I hope you're not. I'm not aware that the locusts have, have arrived here. We have other problems with bugs and other infestations, but nothing like the people we're dealing with here in Joel. We may, might, may not be dealing with locusts, but we have other situations and we have other circumstances that if things don't change, our world, like those of Joel's, is going to be turned upside down. He doesn't always promise us an easy road, but again, he does promise us that he will be with us in the midst of the life that we live, in the thick, in the mess, in the muck, in the mire of life. In a crowd this size, I'd venture to say there are some of us this morning who are going through a very difficult time. Some of you are going through great times. As I look out there and just think about each of your stories, uh, there's some wonderful news that's happening uh, in, in many of your lives. But I would also venture to say, and as I look out across the crowd as well, there are many of you who are going through some tough times right now who need to be reminded that God is with you in the midst of the thick and the mess and the muck and mire of life. I don't know where you are, but I want you to know that our God 
He loves you. And he's pursuing a relationship with you. And uh, I can't bring about and, and nor may your prayers bring about an immediate answer, uh, you know, to your prayers and your concerns right now, although they may. But God is calling out to you and to me to trust him, to claim the promises that he is with us and to walk steadfastly, focused, knowing that he is with us and that no matter what come, come what may, we're going to claim his promises and we're going to walk with him and we're going to see what he's going to do not only in us as individuals, but what he's going to do in us as a church, as a church in this community, but also church universal. Now's the time for God's people, not only here in Boiling Springs, but across this great nation, to claim the promises found within his word and to live as God's people, confessing our sin when we've messed up, acknowledging that, God, you're up to something in our community and to make the best of the situations that he has placed us in. Church, let me ask you this morning, individuals here this morning, let me ask you this question. Do you have the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God that promises to never leave you nor forsake you? This compassionate and gracious God is not only desiring a relationship with you, that relationship means he's desiring fellowship with you. It's not just something on Sunday mornings, it's not just something at Christmas and at Easter, but he's desiring to walk with you day in and day out in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the confusion of life and the stress of life. He's wanting to walk with you, and he's wanting you to look to him. Joel 2.27, thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. Do you know the God of love and kindness and compassion this morning? We were talking about that in our men's Bible study of what it, the difference between comfort and compassion. And our God is a God of both. He desires our comfort. He also desires, or he, he is a God that demonstrates his compassion. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I hope that something that has been said, I hope the scripture that we have looked at into Joel this morning has spoken to you. There's many sermons in the passage that Tim read this morning, but the focus that I have has been in verse 27, to remind ourselves in a world that we don't understand, in a world that we wished was very different we know and serve and have a relationship with a God who loves us and desires our fellowship with him. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that when we look to your word, Father, it challenges us in so many ways. Lord, it convicts us. It encourages us. But Lord, it does certainly challenge us. And so, Father, this message that, that came from Joel, from Joel many hundreds of years ago has great relevance for us today. We may not be dealing with a locust plague, but Lord, we're dealing with other situations, other circumstances that weigh heavy upon us. Our pathway may not have been laid desolate like this pathway in Joel, but Lord, if we continue to see things happen around us, Lord, we, we don't want to be at that place where our pathway is desolate. So Father, help us now in the midst of the things that we don't understand, in the midst of our questions and our confusions and our frustrations, Help us to put our faith and our trust in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to come. I'd love to, to talk with you about that and pray with you. If you're here today and desire church membership, we would also love to speak with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. The hymn of decision is number 323, not the one listed in your bulletin. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. Please stay. <laughs>
I'm going to invite you to be seated. We do have a brief business conference today. I'm not aware of, of anything major coming before us, but then I could have just misspoken. I'm not sure.